Welcome to the Fearless Leader Podcast, where we have authentic conversations about culture, community, health, and education. Now here's your host, Jason Belton. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Fearless Leader Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Dr. Gerald Fitzhugh II, Superintendent of Schools of Orange. How are you doing, Doc? I'm doing great, Mr. Belton, doing really great today. That's good, that's good, that's good. I, listen, I know you're a busy man. Um, I know I done probably had to beat out a few other folks to get you here. So I wanna say we appreciate you, ha- appreciate having you here, definitely. I'm glad to be here. And I'm also glad that we'll be able to have some dialogue about educational practices, but also the socio-emotional effects of the pandemic and what we're doing as a district to ensure that students and staff are getting what they need to move the instructional, but also the socio-emotional envelope forward. Got you, got you. Doc, well, well, you know, so we let's jump right into it then. Uh, uh, well, before we go too far, Doc, tell, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. All right. So first and foremost, I'm a husband and a father first. So a lot of folks um, look at superintendents and just think that it's a, a job, right? But the job is not just a job. It's about the work that goes into being the superintendent. I have a great wife who's a first grade teacher in the city of North. We have been together for 16 years and I have two great kids, Alyssa, who is 10, and Evan Gerald, who is eight. And everything that I do every single day is predicated on my relationships with my wife and my children. And so we talk about um, who is the superintendent. I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a brother, I'm a son. At the age of 23, my mother passed away from liver cancer. She was a hard worker. She worked up until two weeks before she succumbed to liver cancer. I got my work ethic from that particular entity from my mother who said that you have to keep pushing in the face of adversity. My dad, my ace, my brother, I became a Mason. I became a Conda Noble and a member of Capital Homicide Attorney Incorporated because of my dad. My dad is my hero. He is my best friend. And when I tell you that his work ethic is like no other, he worked for 70 years at the North Public, I'm sorry, 50 years at the North Public Library. He retired at the tender age of 72. And so when you talk about work ethic and wanting to get back to your craft, I look at both my parents who had a sound um, work ethic, but also they were just great folks. And if I could take any way away from them is that being a great person emulates into the work that you do on a continuum. Wow, that was a lot, Doc. I, that that was deep. I, I am... I. I appreciate that honestly. You know, we speak to so many view, I mean, so many uh, guests, and I hear like a, the backdrop of of work. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, that was good that you know to hear that the family piece about you know, especially when 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 men are asked, you know, who you really are, you mm-hmm. know, and, and give a little bit about your backdrop. Uh, Orange is on the move, so you want to talk a little bit? I want to jump into that, Doc. I want <laughs> you to talk about some of the things that you're doing, Doc. So you know, folks might. They might drive through the town. They might see a little bit of you on Facebook or whatever, but they might not really know. So I want you to jump into that for a minute. Just talk to me about, you know, some of the some of the things you have happening in Orange. Right. So I was at to begin with, there's no I in team. So from you to Dr. Stewart to Miss Alcaterra to Mr. Gaines to Mr. Um, Pettit to Mr. Ainucci, I can name all the principals, Dr. Blanton, mm-hmm. Mr. Machuca. All of the principals are part of the work that we're doing to move the dish from good to great. 
but also we have some really great directors that are also part of the work from Dr. Russo to Dr. Powell, Ms. Harris, Mrs. Harper. We have our Executive Director of Human Resources, Mrs. Jones, Dismuke. We have our wonderful Business Administrator, Mr. Adekunle James. There's no I in team, right? So every person that I name outside of that, they are working with the leadership to ensure that we have a sound vision and mission. Now, we all know we talk about the administration, but we also have to think about those support staff members, the teachers who are bringing forth the mission and vision every single day. I say this, and I've shared this with the principals at our meetings. No one knows how to lead like the principals in Orange know how to lead or the directors know how to lead in a pandemic. There is no book for that kind of work. So when I talk about you know, what we've been doing as a district, I would just wanna preface it by saying we're in a new normal stage and everybody's learning a new craft. We didn't learn it getting our master's degrees, right? And I, I know I didn't learn it, you know, going to get my doctorate this right, fall, right, right. but I know I learned little by little about experiences from surveys from families. I learned a lot from the administrators and the teachers and the support staff, even our trauma support team. I have four great folks that are part of that um, trajectory from Ms. Dana Jones to Ms. Laguna, to Mr. Wallace and also Ms. Thomas, all those folks have made me stop and think about the whole importance of self-care. And so I wanna start with that because I think that is one of the most important pieces before we even talk about the academics, right? Right, right, right. Because the academics are going to come, but we have to make sure that folks are good as it relates to the health and their mindsets. So every Wednesday, I'm sorry, not every Wednesday, but the third Wednesday of the month, we have a self-care Wednesday where we are engaged in yoga, or we're engaged in even cooking, um, baking cookies, right, on YouTube. And we're doing exercises, walking around Bell Stadium. We're doing those things because we have to make sure that our minds are in readiness to make substantial change for the academics for our students. So when I'm going into um, Self-Care Wednesday virtual spaces, or if I'm going to a location that is in person, I have the opportunity to see folks coming together as a team, right? And so okay. I'm learning more about, about the staff in terms of some of their struggles or some of their successes, but also I get to learn about them as parents or, or, or husbands and wives or partners. Because again, we often think about the work as making sure the objective is on the board, making sure that okay. we have um, 18.5. $2 million in scholarship. <laughs> I can say that in a minute. Um, but I do think that um, we, we kind of forget who is in front of us. And I think in order to develop a group of folks that, um, and one thing I think that is good with um, in the last few months that I've been there, a year, well, a year and a few months, is that we've really taken ownership over um, ensuring that folks have happiness in their lives outside of the workplace and that they can vent in a self um, in a, a safe place and that it's not going to be punitive because nothing that I feel that folks say to me is punitive. I think that it helps me reflect on my practice as a leader. So some of the great things, um, 80% in curriculum and programs on NJQSAC, um, which is one of the um, greatest accomplishments in our district. So the work began with the former administration um, by getting those scores and, and continuing trying to move those scores we did not have the opportunity to have NJSLA last school year, but I did have the opportunity, right, mm -hmm. with the teachers and the directors to revise curriculum. We had a perfect score in the curriculum 
area as it relates to standards, essential questions, enduring learning understandings. And when I tell you we had teachers who were dedicated to the revision phases, we had directors who were also dedicated to that. And every director brought down their, I like stuff in, in paper. So I like to have um, post-it notes. These are the schedules. I'm, I'm virtual today. So these are the schedules for phase three and four. Right. I have right. all the post-it notes ready to email and call the principals after the podcast, right? Right. So the post-it notes that I gave to the directors and the um, the teachers were my notes about what could be improved on the curriculum end. And what it was what was good for me was that I was able to read every single word of every curricular document that is on the website. And so when I had questions, I could call Dr. Powell, or I could call Ms. Harris, or I could call Dr. Russo and say, what was what was the thinking behind this particular essential question? Mm -hmm. And I was able to assist with the development of um, the creation of essential questions that I learned when I was assistant superintendent of curriculum instruction in the city of Hoboken under the leadership of Christine Johnson. She taught me, and I felt like I could pay it forward by teaching other folks what the paradigm should look like as relates to strong curriculum writing. So I'll never forget who teaches me those particular stages in the curriculum writing game. And so I just want to thank Dr. Christine Johnson for that particular entity, because without her, I would have never learned how to do that particular nuance. Doc, let me so ask you real quick. Are you, are you yeah. always that inclusive when you... When you when there's um, situations on the table, you're always that inclusive to pull your team in and and have those and have that sort of dialogue. I think it's it's important to have um, stakeholders in that particular at the seat at the table. So um, I was talking with um, a partner in the work where I'm writing an article about the Cram model, um, and that's about mentoring. Um, and we're going to utilize the Cram model here in Orange Township to uh, retain staff for them to stay here for them to grow and develop, right? Okay. And so I feel that part of it, the CRAM model allows folks to have a seat at the table. So when we were creating the return to school plan, there wasn't a thought in the of my mind of not calling both of our unions, the teacher and support staff, paraprofessional unions, um, as well as the administrative union. I needed to know from their perspective what the needs and concerns were from their shops, right? Having surveys for parents, that's critical. So we do the same thing bringing them to the table. Now, if you recall, district goal number two speaks about community engagement. So what are we doing? Two great, two, I'm sorry, three great things. Um, tonight, December 17th, we're going to have a parent forum, part of our parent university series, um, which is led by Reverend uh, Jefferson and Mr. Barry Devon. So I'm really excited about that particular entity that's coming into Orange Township. The next piece is from the um, district goal number two, are the parent and as well as the uh, student council meetings. They meet once per month. And through the Office of Community Engagement and myself, we have some really great folks on the line where we're talking about the school district, what we're doing really well, things that we can improve, right? And um, what's really great about that particular um, experience is that um, parents have the opportunity to quiz me, right? Okay. Okay. And they're able to ask those questions about what's been in their mind about the pandemic and instruction or things about um, that are really going well in the school district and how they can become partners in the work. And I'm really excited about the fact that um, we have parents that are part of the infrastructure that want to be part of it. And they're looking forward to all the meetings that we are so forth having. Okay. 
Okay. Well, Doc, walk me through or, or just explain to me uh, the formula for academic success. What's, what's, what does that formula look like? All right. So that's my happy place. The academics of the district is my happy place. Right. I'm going to take you to your happy place, Doc. <laughs> it was my happy place. You know, it, it's, it's better than um, doing other things like um, writing emails or things of that nature. But when I'm in a classroom, wow. So yesterday was a, a snowstorm, December 17th. Right. right. And on the 17th of December, um, I called one of our principals, Dr. Lofton Cook, and I said, I just want to see some classes. Mm -hmm. And when you walk into a classroom and teachers are engaging in a virtual space with the sharing of the screens, which with also having their virtual word walls, which we discussed at our administrative meeting. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. So it shows me that there was a correlation between the teachings at our administrative meetings mm -hmm. and then um, the implementation at the school level. So going into the classrooms at Forestry Community School alongside Dr. Lofton Cook, I was able to see the practices that we had discussed last week at our administrative meeting. If it's not just a virtual um, word wall, it goes back into question discussion and utilizing um, the uh, Bloom's taxonomy questioning cues as indicators for um, academic success. Okay. So a lot of what we've been doing in the district has been looking at sound practice and looking at some things that can be tweaked a little bit mm -hmm. and being honest within ourselves to say, hmm, it's not working, but if we do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, then we can improve the practice. One of the most important pieces is looking at trend analysis. So I know often we talk about it, but what really is it, right? And so, like I shared with the Board of Education, more particularly the curriculum committee, are strategic walkthroughs that are happening in the district. I know you had yours mm -hmm. last week, yes, uh, Ms. Felton, and I know that many <laughs> other folks had um, their walkthroughs as well. And we look at those areas at, in the lesson that um, are strategic and may not be as strong throughout the course of the lesson, right? And so as we're looking at those particular nuances, in the five or six classes we're looking at, that creates the trend. Okay. And so we know that through the trends that creates strong professional development practices at our building levels. Now, we talk about the one size fits all model. And I shared with you all, the book that I had read before become superintendent was the Defying Standardization by Christopher Tinkin. And Christopher Tinkin, as we know, um, was my mentor for my dissertation study. And when I talk about that particular um, study, I think about the importance of um, not having the one set standard for all of our students, or one set standard of professional development for our teachers, which means that a subset of teachers need this particular nuance, whether it be um, assistance with um, creation of assessments or development of essential questions. It could be two different nuances for those particular teachers, but we have to make sure, right? that we give them what they need and not what we think they need, right. which is why the trend analysis is so important. And I believe that's why the district is really moving from good to great, because we are all learning how to identify based on the trend analysis, what the pitfalls are and what we have to do as leaders to remediate it. Doc, you jumped on or you touched on uh, the idea that you put out from uh, moving the district from good to great. Um, Go into that and explain to me, like, why is that the center of your vision? 
So I believe, and I and I wrote some notes down about good to great. Um, but I, I just want to share that we were in a good place, right? And so in every good place, we want to move up to the next trajectory, which is great, right? And so we're already on our way there. The Jim Collins book talks about um, factories and how those factories were built into great um, entities in the business field. Right. And so a school district is not particularly a business field, but we still deal with a budget, which is business-like, mm-hmm. right? And we are going to have a product, right. which are Correct. our students to be successful. Correct. Um, but we also want our staff to be successful. Mm-hmm. We want to pay it forward, right? right? And so the way we pay it forward is through the development of our staff. And also, if we develop them well, going back to defined standardization, where we talk about the um, the nuance where it relates to not having that one size fits all, but having a differentiated model for our staff, that's how you're going to be able to move folks, right? And so folks will be, will be more apt to buy in if the development is not standardized, but in fact, it is um, differentiated for their own particular needs, right? Because we don't want to make folks bored when they come to professional development, Correct. right? Correct. We want to make sure they're they're going to be ignited and excited mm-hmm. about the work they're going to be doing through a professional development opportunity. Mm-hmm. Doc, uh, go into the those the difficulties of being a superintendent. Now, like um, we talk about uh, budgeting and the hiring hiring folks and trying not to let folks go and trying to still um, have uh, quality education. Uh, what's the balance? What does that look like? So. It's a lot of hours, a lot of great hours, right? A lot of reflection, right? <laughs> right. And so um, I think that every position in which I've held has prepared me for this particular step. And not forgetting that first you begin as a teacher, right? And then you move your way up the ranks. Well, in my particular scenario, right? And so I felt that having the, this, the opportunity to stand as a teacher and a vice principal and a principal and a superintendent, I understood what every single person in our organization is going through. Not to say that anybody who didn't go through those particular ranks don't understand. I just understand in a different fashion. As I share with the board every month, I've coined myself a teaching superintendent. I wanna always remember my time in the classroom, right? Mm -hmm. When I taught in grades one, four and five at Dr. William H. Horton Elementary School in the city of Newark. Right. And when I see my students doing things successfully, when they become teachers, when they become a fire person or a police officer, I can go back and say to myself, mm-hmm. well, was one of those lessons that we talk about taught about community that yield one of my students become a police officer. Right. Because we want to make sure that we have some type of impact. So the title superintendent is great, but I think that it is all encompassing. I think that it encompasses being a teacher, a parent a counselor, a principal, a vice principal, a supervisor, um, so a paraprofessional, all of those jobs are encapsulated into being the superintendent. Because without all of you, I cannot do the work that I do on a continuum. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, Doc. So I see the vaccines. I see the trucks um, on the news. And I see (laughs) the vaccines are are being shipped around the country. Doc, give us your thoughts on as we come out of COVID, like what would be some of the biggest, what would be your biggest concerns about education coming coming out of COVID? So there's a few things. Um, 
we all know that there's vaccines that are on trials, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's always conversation about side effects. And so I always wonder, will those side effects be problematic as it relates to um, acquisition of knowledge? Um, do we also know, you know, what effects it will have on, you know, the socio-emotional side of students and staff? So I want to know more about that as it relates to um, next steps. But coming out of COVID-19, you know, I always worry about um, the academic acumen of what we've been doing. So we have to reacclimate students, right, to the school buildings. We have to reacclimate our staff to coming in every day and, you know, not being in that virtual space. But we did have some lessons learned. We learned a lot about being able to do professional development across buildings in a on a Zoom or a Google Meet. Right. Because I don't think anybody thought that through before, right? Or some may have, but you know, it, it's it's now a mandate that we're we're able to do professional development across the gamut. I also think that some lessons learned was that um, if you don't have a blueprint, you have time to find a way to create a blueprint, and it's it's okay to have bumps and 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 bruises in the road, because our initial plan was only for two weeks, if you recall, right? And then there was a relaunch plan on April 20th of 2020, because we already knew there were some things that needed to be improved. But thanks to the, the staff, the entire staff, regardless of position, and to our parents who were so vigilant in terms of being truthful and saying, Dr. Pichu, this is what I'm thinking because my, my kid isn't working on this, or my kid is, they need additional support with this, or some more face-to-face um, time with um with the teacher is going to be advantageous for our for our our sort of daughter or son so all those lessons learned then yielded our summer program right and our summer program was full synchronous which was the predicator to what we launched in august of 2020 right and so we've done many um tweaks to the program throughout the course of the um pandemic phase but i am proud to say that based on the voice of all stakeholders, we have one of the best plans in the state. By going into classrooms every day, I don't care what time of day it is, I'm going to a classroom because that's what the Board of Education expects from me. That's what the staff expects from me. That is what the families expect from me to make sure that we're in classrooms to make sure that um, students are learning, right? That there's support given to our staff because they deserve support, right? And that helps us look at and to see what self-care supports are going to be needed on that third Wednesday based on our review when we're going into those particular classrooms. District-wide, we have looked at temperature checks, right? Uh-huh. To make sure, and I will I will use temperature checks because that's something that Mr. Gaines, the principal of Oakwood, I've used that to, he kind of coined that, that, uh-huh. that terminology, yeah. yep. right? And so when he uses that term, um, uh, temperature checks, every single teacher starts their day off with that temperature check. And that's something that I think moving forward, we're gonna continue um, in the district, just checking on each other to make sure that folks are doing well and advantageous in their practice, in their craft. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that's the case, that we would continue that um, uh, to, to, to make sure that the, the, we're all doing all healthy and, 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 and doing what we need to do. And, uh, and, and I appreciate the, the idea of the Wellness Wednesdays. What, and so what, what, what prompted that, though? Did, was that something you saw, something you picked up? I know that you do a lot of reaching out to the community. Was it something that, I mean, what, what, what that about? 
I'll be honest with you in the um, in the first phase of um, the return to schools back in March to June of 2020, I was meeting every week with the trauma informed team. And those particular conversations assisted with the creation of the self-care Wednesdays. I had a great co-author of the return to school plan, Dr. Tina Powell, who serves as the director of mathematics and science. And when we were collaborating about the staff surveys, about the parent surveys, and also the creation of the trauma informed team, she had stated to me on a set, I'll never forget it, Saturday morning, she called me at 645. And I was outside taking the garbage out. And I said, in my mind, she needs to sleep a little bit. But I was up. I'm a second the motion that she needs to sleep a little bit, but go ahead, Doc. And so when she talked about the great things that we were doing with the Trauma Informed team, she said, it'd be great if we did something like a a self-care day for staff, because they'll become better if they have time just to reflect on their practice, have some time just to decompress, because this is hard. Mm -hmm. And then we thought about the kids, and those kids need some time just to moosa, right? And so I think that um, all those entities from the survey to Dr. Powell's discussion to the trauma-informed team, um, also discussions with uh, members of the executive team, you know, our staff in general, I just think that that's what created the self-care Wednesdays. And the one thing that, you know, I do love pedagogy. I think everybody knows I will. I love pedagogy and practice. I love to instruct. I love to be in classrooms. But I do know that you won't have sound instruction if the mind and body are not are not well. And so we have to recognize that as a group of leaders. Doc, the expectation. So students right now, uh, well, you already know the scenario. You know, um, you're you're constantly pushing to make sure, you know, we we follow up on students coming to school, attending, um, actually being on the computers, cameras on, things like that. Um, uh, explain what's your how are your feelings about as we move through this new newness um like have you had to look at it and rethink like uh maybe we pull back on some things just to make sure that the students are that as long as they're engaged like what were those some of those things that you wrestle with uh right now in the middle of of where we are like what are those academic concerns of yours that you that you go to bed with like uh we we really got to tighten up or i wish we could kind of get a handle on that so I do want to say that um, if I had to compare March of 2020 to December 18, 2020, we've made ex- inroads, extreme inroads. It looks different versus being in, in an asynchronous approach most of the week to now being um, synchronous four days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, probably in the classroom, seeing the level of engagement um, and again, in the beginning of the year where we had the issue with the cameras, I'll be transparent, right? I was not happy with the fact that uh, students want to have cameras as so, right? right, right. Versus like right. so, right? right. Um, and so we have been pushing that nuance to our parents, to our students. I know that, um, and I use Ms. Halstead, the principal of Orange Preparatory Academy, through her convocations, she has stated to her, her students, that's unacceptable. And so um, we're always practicing the the craft, right? So as leaders, I don't keep my screen off unless I'm running to the restroom mm-hmm. or if I have a text that comes, I need to read it right, very quickly. Right. 
But again, we have to practice it as leaders. And I say leaders, meaning all adults, right? Mm-hmm. And so we need our families to be part of the trajectory in terms of sitting down with their, their children and saying, the district is stating this. So I've already said it in November and December's board meetings. I'm going to say it again at Curriculum Committee on Tuesday, the 22nd of December, mm-hmm. and again in January 12th at the board meeting. I'm saying it because I feel it is necessary because we need students so that we can see if they understand the concepts, right? And if they're really truly engaged in the practice. So if that's if there's one thing that um, we could have done better, mm-hmm. we should have begun with that discussion with the cameras from the beginning. And again, and not giving options about how the camera should be, right? At different levels. It should all have always been on, on the student's face mm-hmm. in real time. Again, we just want to make sure the students are learning on a continuum and we don't know if they're learning if we don't see them. Right, right. Right. And so that's one major takeaway um, that I have. Another um, takeaway that I have, um, I didn't think that, you know, we would still be in a remote space in December of 2020. Mm-hmm. So if you look at our return to school plan, we were hopeful that our phase three was going to begin on November 30th. Well, our phase three is not gonna begin until January 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I understand because of health and safety and having those conversations with the health director um, in the city of Orange, who's been very cognizant in terms of giving us real-time numbers, mm-hmm. um, not you know unwavering in terms of giving great advice. So we had the opportunity to really have a sit down with um, him and his team um, and having that conversation to say, you know what, is it safe enough? Or, you know, should we just extend phase two because our numbers are going up? Um, and so one thing that I've learned through the pandemic is that partnerships are critical. Now, I know we've done a lot of, of great partnerships through Apple, you know, electronics last uh-huh. year and, and turn them this year and having Susan Science come in and really work on that science initiative that we have, which now has yielded into having benchmark assessments in the area of science. Um, but I felt that having the um, the relationships with um, the city and with the county, it's really important that you have real-time information as it relates to the health and safety of our students and staff. We do not want to jeopardize that, right? And so I always say, if you're going to go to the food market, take nothing to chance, mask up. So we've learned a lot of that through the pandemic phases because folks have gotten sick you know, just going to the grocery store or just running to get gas. And so we have to be confident of that as we're doing the return to school, which is why we've done a lot of revisions to the the dates because we had to make sure that the dates were going to be in lock and step with the health and safety of all that we service and who service those that we need to make sure that we are going to make pedagogues in the future. Doc, if you had to look at any content, um, uh, the direction of any content in the, in the, um, in township or in the schools, what would be the one that you was like, we need, I need to jump in. Like, we really need to, we need to put some, we need to put something behind that. Like if you, I know you, you dig deep in the, uh, in the content um, heavily uh, with the walkthroughs and things like that. And to push that um, to straight out to your administrators, if there was something that you were like, listen, we really need to dig deep into this area right here, which, what would that be? So if we talked about content, I think every content is equally as important. Right. Okay. But I but in terms of um, areas of um, in, of engagement, um, again, question discussion, 
because I, we talk about Bloom's taxonomy mm-hmm. from the bottom tiers of remembering to the middle tier of analyzing to the top tier of creating. We really want to live in that analyzing through creating mm-hmm. world, but give some um, some love to the remembering stages, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but we want to live in remembering. Right. I think right. I'm laughing at you, Doc, because I think <laughs> one of my first conversations with you was like a moon <laughs> conversation. <laughs> so I get it. I get That's it. That's right. <laughs> All I want to do is live in that good space. Right? <laughs> you know, I want to live in an analyzing um, to creating, but I understand the remembering because we have to take stock in, in assessing where the students are mm-hmm. and understanding the prerequisite understanding of what they know and what they don't know so that we can have those small group instructional practices for our students, but in that virtual space through those office hours from 1 to 3.20 mm-hmm. in the afternoon, right? And so... If I had to select two areas, definitely question discussion mm-hmm. and also pure engagement, because again, we want to make sure that students are engaged where they are, but also introducing them to standards and skills that potentially are more rigorous than what they may be ready for. But if we keep them at the status quo, I am concerned that they will never be exposed mm-hmm. to the level of acumen that we expect, right. but also that um, an area where they would be expected to perform on the New Jersey student learning assessment that's going to be taking place in the spring of 2021. I got you. Hey, Doc, talk a little bit about, let's get into leadership a little bit. Uh, You talked about how, well, you and I have had conversations in the past about uh, people putting in the work. And I think that sometimes people feel like over, uh, you know, because they go to school, they get a certification and they put their resume in that, you know, that justifies Mm -hmm. them walking into a certain position. Mm -hmm. Uh, So talk a little bit about uh, leadership, um, uh, staying pers- uh, consistent, persistent with, with certain things. And what does uh, educational leadership look like to you, like in this 21st century model? So willingness to learn, unlearn, and relearn. Mm. Right. So I'm going to say that again. Willingness to learn, unlearn, and relearn. So reflective practice, as I think everybody knows, is important to me um, and important to the administration. And, and the reason for that is that you cannot be afraid to say, I messed up here, but I'm willing to learn from this person, this person who has a little more experience. We've all have fallen, myself included, right? I remember um, back in 2005, my first interview with vice principal, it was not a good vice principal interview. I can tell you, it was not a good interview. I didn't realize that um, when you interview, you have to, kind of expands your questions and you have to really give examples about what you have done in the craft and where you kind of see the craft going in terms of, and I used to the five of dissertation, right. future implications of practice, right? Not about policy, but about practice. And so what I have found is that through reflective practice, you have the opportunity to really hone in on that particular, that skill base. And so with that particular interview, I walked out and was like, oh, I killed it. I killed it. <laughs> a few days later, Miss Rosemary Hughes, who made me a vice principal at 26, she called me at my home and she said, how'd you think the interview went? And I said, uh, Miss Hughes, I think I, I think I did well. Right, right. Said, well, you didn't. Right? And she says, I got feedback and I, I feel you didn't do well. Right. She said, you need to reflect on this particular nuance in the work. And I said, well, I don't understand. She said, you give textbook answers. 
you need to learn how to expand your thinking and remember you're still a teacher. So you have to remember how you're going to translate that into the administrative realm and how you're going to support teachers, families, right? And also have professionals and security, so on and so forth. Two weeks after that conversation with Mrs. Hughes, I had my next interview for the position that I ultimately ended up getting, which is the vice principal of um, grades six through eight mm-hmm. special education at Dr. Wimmy Horton Elementary School in the city of North. That interview I felt was so much better because I took the advice from my mentor who said, you need to expand on your thinking. You don't give the textbook answer. You have to think about the population in which you're serving. That first interview was not for Dr. Horton. That was for another school in the city of North. So I'm glad I had that one first because that was the dry run. But the second one was definitely a better interview um, because I listened, right? And and it's important to know that um, as a leader, you do not have every right answer. Right, correct, correct. Okay, you you can stand and listen to somebody and and learn a thing or two. Let me ask you quickly, Doc, how many times did you interview when you, so when uh, you first got into teaching, how many times did you interview? I had uh, four rounds. Okay. All right. And so four, four rounds, and that was the one position that you got. I actually got three of the four. Okay. But the 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 fourth one was where I actually ended up because okay. I subbed there. Got you. I so was let, in that school. Yep. So let me ask you. So going into the administrative um, arena, uh, becoming a vice principal, how many times did you, did you um, interview for the position? I interviewed um, for two particular positions, ultimately getting one of them. Okay, and so when you became a principal, how many times did you interview? How many different uh, shots did you get knocked down before you became a principal? I was knocked down um, three times. Okay, okay. Three okay. times. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and, and he had the- That's a bad thing. Oh, oh no, not no, not 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 at all. I just I I, I think the, the well the rationale behind that doc is that a lot of times folks feel that um either they're um they're they're old something or I've I've been in this I've been in this sort of um industry or this area for such a, a long time or you know I, I should already have this position and things like that. And, and you know, people I always ask that question because I want people to understand it is some things take time. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so you have to, you know, respect, you know, be patient mm-hmm. about for, about the process, yeah. you know. And yeah. so and yeah. so I always just ask about, you mm-hmm. know, the time that it takes, you know, people to get in because, you know, I'm looking at the polish Dr. Gerald Fitzhugh II right now. And, you know, <laughs> folks don't get an opportunity to see, you know, when you might have left that interview and mm-hmm. thought you had it. And then, you know, it, it wasn't yours to have at that time. You know? and, so, and perhaps maybe. Um, I wasn't the right fit for that particular building. So we have right. to always think about, you know, why things happen. Exactly. And always, you know, and, you know, was I hurt a little bit? Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately there's always a path to where you're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you asked that because where I ultimately became principal was at Chancellor Avenue Annex Elementary School in the city of North. Okay. I tell you, I love myself, Ward. It was the best experience that I've ever had. Right, right that, right, that staff, they groomed me. Those kids, they made me a parent. My children were actually born when I was the principal at that school. Uh-huh. So that school has a lot of um, significance in my heart. 
Okay. And so when I went back to Newark as deputy superintendent of schools, and I just wanted to share with you very quickly about that. Okay. Because I think it's important to understand about mentorship. When I spoke a little bit of, uh, before about the initial interviews that I had for teacher, mm-hmm. Mr. Roger Leon was the um, principal of Dr. William H. Horton Elementary School. I talk about him with you guys all the time because yes. he's a mentor of mine, a brother of mine. And he saw some promise in me and gave me an opportunity to teach in his building. 19 years later, I'm in Hoboken Public Schools. I'd already left Newark. Um, I was in Hoboken at that time for six years. You know, my school was a focus school, um, which was Connors Elementary. You know, we came out of focus status in June of 2015. I'm riding high. Mm-hmm. I'm attending the schools. I'm tenured. And Ms. Leon calls me and he says, are you ready to come home? And I said, oh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm going to, you know, I'm tenured. I'm, you know, I'm superintendent. I'm good. And he says, he said to me, I want you to remember what I said to you when I interviewed you for that position. And I remembered, and I remembered um, those words that he had given me. He said, you know, we always pay it forward. And he says that he always going to mentor me. He checked in with me every single, if it wasn't every month, it was every other month when I went to Hoboken because he didn't want me to leave right. no public schools, right. right? But I felt that it was time to leave and kind of spread my wings. When he called at his appointment to superintendent says, I want you to be my deputy superintendent. And I, after reflecting on it and I called him back and said, I'm going to do it. That showed me something about mentorship. It showed me about relationship mm-hmm. and it showed me about the, it showed me the importance of how you never forget hence where you come. Let me, and, let me mm-hmm. jump on that. Let me jump into that. Doc. So how are you, what are your goals or your vision for paying it forward? in orange, right? Mm-hmm. So um, uh, Mr. Leon uh, sort of took you by the hand and hey, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, going, I'm going to walk you through this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, give me some insight as to what does that, that pay it forward idea or concept look like in orange for you? Good. So very similar to what we, um, what Ms. Leon did for me, the coaching that I'm doing with those that I directly report to, or directly report to me rather, mm-hmm. it, how I'm trying to develop you all so that whatever job that you're gonna go out for, that you're gonna be ready and prepared for that particular position, right? And moreover, um, it's not limiting you to not understanding what is out there. In fact, to allow you to have a seat at the table when there are difficult decisions to be made and to ask mm-hmm. you all what your opinions are about um, practice or about, you know, uh, should we extend the phase or, mm-hmm. um, you know, because there's folks that are at the table that aren't administrators who give right. me some great advice right. about what's going on at the school level. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have to be vulnerable in your own skin to be able to say, I don't have every answer, but I can go to this person because they have this answer. And so at, in terms of paying it forward, I do believe that, um, and there's been folks who even in the first 19 months have asked for me to mentor them in their um, master degree work. And everybody knows the superintendent is very busy, mm-hmm. but I try my best to really try to work with um, those teachers who are trying to become, or try to not only try to become administrators, but finish their master degrees because somebody did that for me. Right. And you pay for it by trying to do it for somebody else. Right. And so right. what better way to do it than to allow them to sit in on a meeting or to ask them their opinion about a craft, about the craft. 
So that's my way of, I try to be very inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, I do understand that there is a hierarchy, but I also know that um, those that are um, boots on the ground, they need to feel valued and appreciated and know they have a seat at the table. And in, in this Orange Public Schools, as you always hear, when we do the whole, um, all our videos, right. and, and the principals always say, and this is the Orange Public Schools. Well, I'm gonna kind of go back and say, in this Orange Public Schools, I always believe that it's really important that um, folks have a seat at the table. And I have to say that um, this was um, cultivated by my predecessor, um, who I replaced. I can tell it, it wasn't just a nuance when I came into the door, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to always give credit <clears throat> to those that come before you. So with Mr. Lee being at the helm and having the opportunity to really know these folks for um, the decade that he served and in the seat, he gave um, folks the opportunity to say, you know, they could be vulnerable in a safe space, which when I came in, it was I was able to really cultivate it even more mm-hmm. and bring it full circle by allowing folks to go on and and post things in there and on Twitter and um, not being afraid to, Call me and ask me a question about practice or about a phase of, of the reopening school plan. So there's always those seeds that are laid before somebody comes there. You always have to remember, and I always say this, pay it forward those folks that also helped you along your way. So special thank you to Mr. Lee for laying that foundation um, so that I could be successful, my team could become successful, but kids can become successful here in the Orange Township Public School District. Let me ask you, Doc, uh, you talked about it a little bit earlier about the professional development and the rationale mm-hmm. behind it was to make sure that we could um, keep those quality teachers in mm-hmm. Orange. Um, can you go into that just a, um, a little more? Like I, if, if you can share like some of the, um, the details about um, keeping those quality folks, because we have a lot of quality folks here. And so um, walk me through that a little bit, because I'm trying to, I wonder if it's about uh, when we, do we train, are you saying we, we get those quality folks, we train them up through our PD? I don't even want to guess it. Walk me through that. Yep. So it is so important that folks feel that um, they have a mentor and that their mentor is listening to them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so ironically, this morning, my mentor, when I received my standard cert for uh, school um, school administrator, mm-hmm. she was on the call for the, the Essex County superintendents this morning. OK. And so when I saw Ms. Ratner this morning, I said and she always texted me to check in. But I just felt like, wow, my mentor, who I practitioned under when I was assistant superintendent, she is in the room and I'm sure she felt great. But I also felt great because she developed me as when she served as superintendent in Berkeley Heights. So I think of um, the CRAM model and two important pieces of the CRAM model are most important. The initiation stage where folks get the opportunity to engage with their mentor. There are um, protege type of um, thinking at the initiation stage, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel that um, when you come into a school district, you feel that your mentor is all-encompassing. Where I want to develop folks is that I want them to get all the way through redefinition. And redefinition is when the protege title kind of goes away. Mm. And that folks have a seat at the table and that folks um, will end up saying, you know what, this professional development nuance is important because I did um, research on my particular class, and this is what the data suggests. 
right? And that means that they're giving their insight about their practice and their craft instead of waiting for someone else to do it or um, kind of waiting for their mentor to give them the direction, mm-hmm. right? And so what, what I'm trying to develop here in Orange is a place where we begin with the protege type of phenomenon to when we're moving into a trajectory where the uh, rubber meets the road, where the mentor and the mentee have the same seat at the at, at different seats, but the same table, right? Mm-hmm. And so it is something that I've done with my mentor, um, Mr. Uh, not Mr. Dr. Christopher Tinkin, um, where now I'm doing, um, now I'm working on an international article um, with him alongside Dr. Mullen. I'm also doing some work with um, with him as it relates to um, the UCEA conference that I present at, and this is my second year presenting at that particular conference with my mentor. So no longer is it um, the mentor-mentee phenomenon. In fact, it is more of um, me sitting with Dr. Tinkin and having that conversation about sound practice. All and at the same table. There you go. All at the same table. There you go. Got you, and if we end up being able to do that, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you'll be able to retain more folks because folks just want to be valued, appreciated, and heard. Right. right. And I want to make sure that that's the, within the paradigm of the work here in the school district. Well, Doc, we have, so I'm going to change the gears a little bit. We have, uh, before, you know, you got to run. I know, I, again, I appreciate <laughs> you being here. I um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, it was a time, I believe it was earlier in the year, might've been the close of last year, Doc, when, um, you know, every every year we have to deal with uh, budget concerns, you know, what what schools are being funded, what districts are being underfunded. And, you know, I remember the, our numbers came out for orange and you know they were underfunded as always and then you know i remember you and mr james jumping in the car and running down to trenton um <laughs> can you speak to what those conversations sound like um when you're sitting in trenton and you're trying to argue for four and five million dollars like or when you're being undercut by that much what what those what do those conversations sound like at that level so i have to say even talking to our legislators um you know having a great BA is really important who understands the nuance of numbers. Um, and also to be able to compliment me who, where I feel that I'm very strong in curriculum and instruction. Right. And so we have to look at the programmatic pieces and what the, um, what would happen if we would be underfunded or we would lose funding. We were actually going to be okay before COVID-19 we had gotten, um, about $4 million and I'm sorry, $5.6 million in state funding. By the time we got through the summer, we had lost $4 million. And so what you never want to do is, you know, cut from the school programs. Um, and so we had to look at central office and make some really tough decisions about mm-hmm. cutting um, positions from central office. Doc, and, Doc um, that $4 million cut that came, that's, those are state cuts. That's, mm-hmm. that's aid coming in. Funding. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. For state funding. And, you know, thankfully we received um, over $1 million in CARES funding, but, and also we got an additional $683,000 from the Corona um, virus funding as well. Um, relief funding rather, mm-hmm. if you will. And so it was, um, it gave us an opportunity to get Chromebooks to get um, um, personal protective equipment. Um, But there is strategic um, listings of what you can buy with the CARES funding and also Mm -hmm. 
the Corona relief funds. And so the things that we weren't able to do with those funds, we had we had to put them on the back burner um, until we're able to fund them appropriately. Right. Um, but those were things that um, they probably could wait just a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but we were able to do our textbook adoption um, for K, grades K through two. We're working on the new one um, for grades three through eight for a school year 21, 22. Mm-hmm. So we're really looking at the building and seeing what the building needs are. So we're looking at all of that now so that we can fund appropriately. Um, next week, we begin to um, circle back and talk with um, the directors about programmatic um, areas um, within the departments that are needed, as well as with the principals at you guys meeting on Monday. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have those discussions about um, those particular entities as well. So again, budget cuts hurt, but you right. also have to be very um, strategic in how you do budget accordingly. And so I do think that we're doing um, we're, we're doing all right. We do need the additional funding. For the first time in a long time, I know I saw a sign of relief on the school business administrator's um, face when we received the $5.6 million, when we lost the money. And if you go back to some of those Board of Education meetings, um, after we lost the particular funding, a lot of questions were generated from the Board of Education about what are we going to do, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were very strategic in terms of not touching the schools to make sure that schools were not were going to continue with their programs. Mm-hmm. Um, but as an example, um, you know, certain positions central office, we weren't able to um, continue because we didn't want to cut from the schools. Mm-hmm. So that was hurtful for some of our departments because other folks had to take on those responsibilities. Um, so, but, but Doc, it, how does the how does the community? Uh, because I know you guys have the the board meetings and you have, mm-hmm. I, I know you just, you everything that's going on in Orange, you saw it, you put out there. Mm-hmm. How did the community, uh, you know, might be, because it's, it's a level of honesty when you say, listen, we lost $5 million. What does mm-hmm. the, when you put that out to the community, what, how does the community perceive that? That's a good question. Um, so we had community folks saying, well, what can we do? Can we do GoFundMe? Mm-hmm. Uh, can we um, do fundraisers? Just to make sure that kids have what they need staff have what they need. You have staff members who are um, going to Donors Choose, who have gotten things for their particular students. Um, and then we received those Corona Cares fund, funds. Uh-huh. That was like a, a ray of sunshine. Uh-huh. This past week, we received 824 Chromebooks. Right. Okay. From a grant from Apple, as you remember, uh-huh. you know, we received um, for our computer science um, program, yes. for Orange Preparatory Academy, uh-huh. um, for um, Orange High School and STEM, STEM. Yep. Um, um, Chrome, I'm not Chromebooks, uh, MacBooks. MacBooks. So we yep. were, and these are, and, and so you go back to relationships. So that was a relationship that I established with Apple when I was the deputy superintendent in the city of North, which goes back to my relationship with Mr. Roger Leon. Mm-hmm. So do you see how paying it forward right. ends up helping, right. right? So he always would tell me that whatever it is that we have to do to make this work, we're going to make it work. Well, relationship building is important. And that's why I think that um, things that are happening in our school district now is 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 really powerful because there's a level of trust. I know that I've only been here about 19 months, um, but I know that there's still more trust building to happen. Mm-hmm. The trust doesn't always happen overnight, right? right? Exactly. And, right. and I want people to understand that I'm okay with that. But just know after two years, that trust would all be there. <laughs> Doc, well, listen, you have a, um, I'll ask you one or two more questions. You have, 
uh, I believe what, Doc, at the close of at June, around June, the, the extension to the high school is is done. What what does that um you know how how does that feel like what what's your thoughts surrounding I mean um I think the high school data put us put us back for nine to twelve, right? Yeah. So we're still working on those logistics. Mm-hmm. As I shared with you mm-hmm. about um, next school year with Orange High School mm-hmm. uh, in Orange Preparatory Academy. But what I think is important is that um just having a campus model is right. going to be so powerful, and so in the coming days um. We're going to be talking with both staff, staff um, at Orange High School and Orange Military Academy about the true essence of what that yeah. looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really want folks to understand that um, though they are two separate buildings, you still feed from one another, right? Right. right. Um, and also, we're going to do an extension at STEM so that the um, so folks understand. Well, it would be Orange Preparatory Academy mm-hmm. and STEM, so that um, those kids that are leaving. Orange Professor Academy going to STEM, that that folks understand what STEM has to offer as well. Uh-huh. The same way that we have conversation what Orange High School has to offer. I'm so proud that we have um, three secondary buildings in the district at this juncture. Uh-huh. Uh, that, and we have one um, secondary program, which is Twilight, uh-huh. which is really moving in the right direction um, as well through the care team conversations and making sure we're putting those touch points uh-huh. on those students. So we're seeing some really nuanced pieces in the practices at all of our secondary buildings um, with one caveat that um, college careers are the forefront of that work. And I think that through the Naviance building, the Vaspa Knights, the um, the uh, Decision One days that are having virtually, just having those communication when we sat with Dr. Repolette and him giving us time as a president of the university to say, you know what, these great things are happening at Kane. Are you interested in working with higher education, right. same thing is critical, right? And so calling you to be part of that conversation and having a seat at the table is how we try to build it and pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I like, uh, I, I definitely appreciate being on the phone. I remember I had the opportunity to be on a, on a call with you and uh, Dr. Repolet and um, hearing him say to both of us, uh, this was a new new for all of us in that, you know, don't let anyone tell you any different. Uh, uh, but you guys, you, you know, you are speaking specifically to you though, but you know, this was the first time, um, and don't let it tell anybody, don't let anyone tell you any different about, you know, the performance of, of, of such a good job you're, you're doing. And I thought that was great even to just, you know, hear that at a different level, you know? So I thought I was like floored with that. I did want to also recognize you doc with the idea of, um, I remember immediately, immediately when we went into COVID. Um, I don't even think you missed a beat with handing out what the breakfast is and, and grabbing goals. I think we probably may, might have been one of the first groups to to do that. I thought that was so important, especially, um, you know, I, I put a lot of time into making sure, you know, that uh, I give back, you know, because we're blessed, you know, and I think that's what we're supposed to do when we realize that. Uh, but Orange was just on it at, you know, as far it. as that was concerned when we yeah. made sure folks were, um, and still, and still making sure, you know, folks don't go hungry in, in this town. So I, I definitely appreciated your move, right. your move with that. And so doc, my final question is if, um, and, and so I had, I had, I get asked this question. Um, and I think I'm gonna make this like my final question. Um, when I speak to folks on your level, um, when you're asked the question, um, why would a kid, why, why should I send my kid to an orange school? What's your, what's your, what's your response to that? So again, um, we go back to 21st century integration. 
and we are about the development of the whole child. So we are willing to learn, unlearn, and relearn as a group of professionals, right? And we're not saying that we have every single answer, but we do have the answers that are going to ensure that students are going to be academically sound as they exit the school district. Be reminded that we do have, um, we just created our own standalone um, third secondary building, which is STEM, which is own CDS code, right? But we also have students of science, which are impactful as relates to um, the science instruction. We're now doing science benchmarks. We're now engaging with um, advanced placement courses. So we're doing the right things as it relates to practice, but also engaging with what? Differentiation of instruction, taking care of the whole child, making sure that the staff and the students are good. And also we are a school district which was recognized by the New Jersey Department of Education as high performing because all of our five indicators on the New Jersey CUSAC evaluation were 80% and above. <laughs> all that, you ain't even pulled from one breath, all that. <laughs> Doc, I'm not gonna take any more of your time. I do wanna say thank you for the time. Thank you uh, definitely, for being here. Definitely appreciate you, Doc. Um, that that was that you. was great. I want to say uh, to all the listeners, uh, Doctor Fitzhugh is that guy that's like, um, if 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 it's about the kid, if he if it's how we gonna make the the situation better for a student, uh, how we make sure that that kid eats at night, how we make sure that that kid has technology in their home, how we make sure we get whatever services that we can get to that student, he is that 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 superintendent, uh, that mentor, that teacher that person that will make sure that these students have what they need. Um, and I definitely appreciate that about you, Doc. So uh, again, Doc, thank you for being here on the Fearless Leader podcast. And, um, you know, I'll be seeing you. And uh, thanks a lot. You take care, sir. You do the same. All right. Thank you, Doc. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Leader podcast, a podcast made to help you take control of your life and find your passion. If you enjoy tonight's podcast, Make sure you subscribe so you're notified whenever a new episode is posted and rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. We really appreciate your support here at the Fearless Leader Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you all next week.